If you're feeling reluctance around leadership, it's probably because you're feeling the burden of having to take care of people. People are powerful. Hi, I'm Zach Aaron, and I've transformed the lessons learned in the rodeo arena into a successful 20-year career in entrepreneurial leadership, building teams, developing leaders, and helping companies thrive. Today, I coach Mavericks, artistic visionary business owners and entrepreneurial leaders on the wild ride of being the ultimate leader. Because true leadership is an art. It's not about what you do or how you do it. It's about who you're being. Leadership from the inside out. This is being in the arena. Welcome to being in the arena. So let's roll up our sleeves and let's get to work today because I want to speak to the reluctant leaders out there. Those who own a business, they have people coming to them. They, they have people following them. It's inevitable. It's happening. But there is this major reluctance around leading. If that's you, today's episode is going to help um, see more clearly why that is and some shifts that you can make to go from reluctant leader to reclaiming your authentic power as a leader. Because here's the thing. Usually the reluctant leaders are actually the most powerful leaders. So good news. If you're feeling some reluctance around leadership, great. You're right where you need to be. That's an indication that you care deeply about what you're doing. You care deeply about your people and those that you ask to come on board. You, you give a shit. Like, yeah, good for you. Because we've all had the leaders that weren't reluctant. They are, they love leading and Oh my God, like, have you ever worked for somebody that just loved leading and they thought they were a great leader? So good for you for having some reluctance around leadership. And someone that comes to my mind, like she came to me and we, we started conversations around her business and where she was at and big goals, big dreams, big vision. Yet there was this kind of this burnt out feeling, this exhaustion of, yeah, but I just don't know if if I'm really somebody who can bring that into reality. I'm not even sure I really want to. I'm not sure I have what it takes. And, you know, we double clicked into that more and more. And we got to this core belief of like, I don't know if I'm a good enough leader. Reluctance to lead. I, I know what I have to do is I have to hire the right people. And I got to bring more people on board. Yet there's a huge reluctance to that. There's At the base of all that is this belief that I don't know if I'm a good enough leader. And, and you know, confrontation, I don't like confrontation. And I, I really avoid difficult conversations. And it's like the most uncomfortable thing for me. And I just, ugh, like, I'm not so sure I want to lead a, a team. So keep listening. If that's you, um, <laughs> one, you're not alone. This reluctance to lead I just want you to see it as a gift because it just points to you care. And wherever we experience resistance in our life, this is Stephen Pressfield, like where resistance is an indicator of desire. And so if we feel the urge to build a team and build a successful business, but we're feeling resistance around leading others and questioning whether or not we're good enough, <laughs> welcome to the artist's journey, right? Yeah, you're not alone. Like, Every artist, every leader, every business owner feels like an imposter, especially when they start to lead with a big vision. It's just part of it. But it's actually an indicator that you're moving into 
your future. Like you're expanding. You're outside your comfort zone. That's where resistance occurs. It's like, think about a rubber band. Like as soon as you step out of your comfort zone, that rubber band is trying to pull you in. It's like that comfort zone is like, no, 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 no. Come back, come back, you know? And it's only normal to feel resistance as you step outside of the normal. So that just makes you normal, reluctant to leave. Good. Yeah, good. We can just own that. No judgment. Um, You're not alone. You're right where you need to be. But now let's look about how how could we shift from you being a reluctant leader to seeing a path forward that will help you reclaim your authentic power as a leader? Because I believe, and I think deep down, you know as well that you are a leader. No question. I mean, if you looked over your left shoulder right now and looked behind you, you'd probably see people following you already. There's probably plenty of evidence in your life and in your business that you're you are a leader. So I just want to share three helpful things, steps, shifts. I don't think they're a step. It's not like there's a formula here, but shifts for you to make to start to go into building your team, building the ultimate team. That's I like thinking of it that way. Like we're not compromising. We're going to build the, the best of the best. And that's when this stuff really works. And so what are the three things, the three shifts to go from reluctant leader to reclaiming your authentic power? Number one, the who matters. It does. One of my clients, they had an um, individual on their team, had been on their team for two years. And this individual kind of frustrated them. You know, average performance at best, needed a lot of handholding, needed a lot of help, had a lot of questions always. And it just kind of felt like could never finish things. But, you know, she was helping and we're better with her than without her. Like I couldn't imagine doing this without her right now. We're so busy already. Well, that person quit. And deep down this, like it was a huge relief for this business owner, huge relief. And between me and them, they're like, oh, you know, felt so, felt good. And it wasn't long and they brought in a new person and she showed up for the next coaching session. She was pissed. She was angry. She was angry at herself, you know, and, and she's like, I'm so angry because I don't like, what was I cost? Like now that I brought in this new person, I'm seeing how good it could have been over the last three years. Like I'm thinking about all of the, the money, time and energy I costed my business and my vision because I didn't see this. The who matters, the who matters. And it's really easy to see that when you're going through it and you're, you see somebody exit your business, somebody you kind of were starting to wish they would leave, you know, and they do. And then you bring somebody else in and all of a sudden you're like, oh, this is what having a great person on my team actually feels like. And you're energized. And you're like, oh my God, I feel like, like more, I, so much more is possible now. So just notice that shift. So it makes sense if your current experience is tolerating a lot of team members that aren't really playing to your standard. And if you're telling yourself a story like, well, they're, you know, they're not the owner. They're not, they're never going to care as much as I do. Or, you know, like it's, that's bullshit. Like stop telling yourself that story because it's not true. And as, as long as you keep telling yourself that story, like, well, you know, it's hard to find good people. And you know, I mean, you can only expect so much and, you kind of put yourself in the, the parental role instead of being a true leader. Like, yeah, you end up tolerating a lot and that is exhausting. It's no wonder you're reluctant to lead. But when you actually say, no, that's not working for me. 
that type of performance, that's not working for me. I need something like this, and that isn't this. This team member is not working for me. Step one is to have a conversation and just be open and honest and start with, hey, this this thing and this thing and, and the outcome of these things. It's not, that's not working. That doesn't work for me. And we got to talk about how we can close the gap or this isn't going to work. And being willing to have those conversations early and often, the interesting thing is you're not going to feel as much confrontation when you do that. It's just going to be like, hey, it, early and often, you're, you're sharing your experience of that person and giving them an opportunity to see what you see and, and grow in, into the role. So that's the first thing is the who matters. And the longer you tolerate somebody that's not working for you, the more reluctant you are going to be to lead because that's just what you think leading people is. It's exhausting. It's like constantly have to f follow up with them and, and backtrack and see if they did it right. Like, yeah, that is exhausting. So the who matters. That's the first one. You get the right who's in your business. Leadership is so freaking fun. Like, it's fun. It's like there's no management really anymore. It's like we're leading, you're coaching, you're you're giving them your insights and gifts because you've got years of experience building this business and you're developing them. But you guys are like arm in arm building a vision that you're all excited about. Like that's possible. But the only way you get there is raise your bar on the who. Raise your bar on the who. The second thing, and this is kind of a double clicking into that. So, okay, well, how do I go find the who's? Well, you need to get really good at delegating. Oh, yeah, I know that. I'm not very good at delegating. You know, like, right? We all feel that way. Again, back to the who. Well, yeah, it's really hard to delegate to somebody that isn't up to the task to begin with. And I love people, so I hope you're not hearing me being. But there is just, you know, some people have to be willing and able to play at the level the, the business needs them to in the role that that the business needs. So, how do we get the right who's in the business? Well, I want you to think about this. Delegating outcomes, not tasks. Because what we often do as business owners is what's our trigger that we know we need to hire? Well, we're overwhelmed. We got too much on our plate. We're working 60 hours a week and it's too much, 70 hours. Like, I need help. I need help. So that's where we're coming from. I need help. And so what do we do? We go look for somebody who can help us do things in the business. Tasks. And so when you hire somebody to help you do tasks, you still have to generate all the tasks for them to do. And that's exhausting. No wonder you're reluctant. That's exhausting. That's going to lead to reluctance to leading and doing more of that because that's not sustainable. And so we've got to be thinking about what are the outcomes you're going to delegate? What are the roles you're going to delegate? You're not delegating tasks and to-do items. You're, you're delegating ownership, roles, outcomes. I like outcomes because... One of the number one things I hear from people is like, I don't know, like for the thought of hiring like a true director of marketing, like I've never paid somebody that much money. And that, that kind of makes me nervous. Well, and, and then they're bringing in the history of like, I haven't necessarily always hired so well. And sometimes I get it wrong. And, you know, that, just the thought of all that really has got me locked up and I feel stuck. And when you start to focus on outcomes and you get those, instead of a job description, create a job scorecard with the clear outcomes, because now you're sitting down, you're clear on what the outcomes are that you're wanting that person to generate. So in, in other words, you could almost create an, uh, an ROI, a return on investment on, okay, if I hired this director of marketing and the outcomes are, we're going to grow our email list from, from 800 people to 3,000 people, or we're going to increase our AOV 
uh, $300 per, per customer through some upselling and, you know, whatever, or we're going to create a customer loyalty, like outcomes. And this customer loyalty program is going to generate this. Well, if you hired somebody that could create those outcomes and you can see the, the return, like, well, okay, what is all that worth to you? If, if you could, inc- if you could five X your number of email subscribers, what is it worth to you? If you could get more attendees to your workshops, what is it worth to you? If you were able to increase your um, AOV, your average order value and, you know, your, your cart value. And well, if you start tallying that, like, well, shoot, that's like $500,000 in revenue right there. Now, all of a sudden it's like, well, I can justify paying somebody $60,000 if they can bring me 500000 to a million dollars in extra revenue. Because And then what does it free you up to do? Again, too, it's like, oh, by delegating this, I can work on collaborations and more of the big relationships and the partnerships. And yeah, I don't, you know, what is that worth to you? You need to throw that in the pot, too. Now, shoot, we could literally double in the next 12 to 18 months. Okay, now all of a sudden paying somebody 60, 70, even $80,000 isn't as scary. So that's outcomes. So that's the second thing. Delegate outcomes. Get clear on what the outcomes are. And here's what the beautiful thing. It's the number one best filter you could have because if you're sitting down with somebody and be like, hey, for you to come on board, there's kind of an agreement here that you're going to contribute and work towards progress towards creating these outcomes. These are the measurable outcomes. And so if we get three months, six months down the road and we're not moving in that direction, like this isn't going to, I'm just going to tell you right now, this, this isn't going to work. So do you think the wrong people will almost deselect themselves? Like when the outcomes are that clear and if they're like not sure they can deliver on that or not very confident in their role, they'll they'll deselect themselves out. But the right people will be able to they'll be able to say, yeah, I can do that. Or no, I don't think that's possible, but I think this is possible because here's my experience. It gives you something tangible to work with. But if you just give them a job description, this is the stuff that you'll be doing in the business. We'll need your help with this. And you'll you'll be taking over the email newsletter and da, da, da. Oh, yeah, I could do that. Sure. Oh, yeah. Sounds fun. Great. It's just easy to. But then we get into it and we're all shocked. Like, oh, my God, they aren't the person I thought they were. So that's that's outcomes over tasks, delegating outcomes, getting clear on the outcomes creating some agreements around these are the outcomes. This is the expectation of those outcomes. And let's agree that that's what this job is, creating those outcomes. So that's the second thing. Number three is this is a little bit more of the mental game. This is for you to take the pressure off as a reluctant leader, Um, because what's most normal as a leader, you care about people. You're a very compassionate person and you care deeply for the people you bring on board. Like, like you want to know you can, you know, like, you want to be a good enough leader for them. You want to do your best as a leader. And, you know, your heart's in the, is is right. Like you're coming from a, a really pure, compassionate, loving place, yet that can quickly have a dark side and that can become a burden. Because in the world today, there is kind of this, there's a lot of chatter around employees and people are burnt out and mental health. We got to be doing, spending more time on mental health and, 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 and I've even heard a lot of like leadership experts tell business owners and leaders of businesses that, hey, guys, the days of fast growth are gone. We got to get back to taking care of our people. And that sentiment, I love like, yeah, I, I for sure to achieve a great vision, you got to have great people. And, you know, we want to create a opportunities for people to thrive. 
and love what they do. And because that's, that's, we all win when that's the case. They win, we win, everybody wins. But this idea of our job is to take care of people, I think puts us in a position of being responsible for people. We talked about this in several episodes ago, I think episode um, 59, like you're not responsible for people, you're responsible to them. You have responsibilities as the leader to create an environment for people to thrive, to be focused on growth and strategy, because that's what really serves everyone. But you're not responsible for people. You're not their parent. And we, we treat adults like children. And when we start telling ourselves stories that we need to take care of people as if they're fragile, that's exhausting. And I don't, I don't, I'm not surprised you're unsure you want to sign up for that. I don't. And it's all based on like a lie because people aren't fragile. People are powerful. That's number three. What's different for you when you see every single individual that you bring onto your business as powerful? It doesn't matter if they're breaking down in tears, telling you how burnout and overwhelmed they are. You maintain your view, view of them as being powerful. Now, does that mean you just say you kick them in the behind and say, you're powerful, figure it out? No, no, no. Like you're coming from a caring place, but because they're powerful, you don't rescue. You don't feel like it's your responsibility to rescue them or fix it for them. You just stay in your role as coach. You coach them. You, you coach them up. You, you, you care for them, but you're not being their caretaker. You coach them, but you're not coddling them. Like you're treating them as the powerful adult that they are. And so what that looks like is asking them, well, what do you think about that? Well, sounds like this isn't working for you. What needs to change? And you're constantly keeping the responsibility and ownership with them coming from a place of they are powerful. So that's the third thing. If you're feeling reluctance around leadership, it's probably because you're feeling the burden of having to take care of people. People are powerful. You know what? In the worst case, some, one of the greatest fears I think can be is like, well, what if I can't pay them? What if all of a sudden growth stops and I can't meet payroll? Well, then you can't meet payroll. Um, and that would suck. Like, I don't like, it's not that I'm just flipping about this stuff, but we will all be okay. We will. They'll be okay. And the, the chances of it even happening are probably extremely low because you're, you're a great leader. You have a successful and established business. And the more people you get around you, the more the right people that are creating the outcomes, it's, it's either grow or die. So you're going to actually put yourself in a position to be even more successful. So those fears are even less likely to come true. But sometimes we have to just be willing to be with the, the thing we're afraid of. You see people as powerful. It's like, they'll be okay. Like, again, I'm not being flippant, but it's just this idea that people are powerful and we've gotten away from that in this society. And somewhere along the way, like we just kind of see some people as victims. And again, please just listen for insight. Like there's re I can hear you arguing like, yeah, well, some people are, you know, been treated unfairly. I'm like, yeah, yeah. But at some point, at some point, they have to leave that state and become powerful because that's who they ultimately are. And that's a personal choice. And that's how we have to start seeing people. And when we start seeing them as powerful, we start calling them back to their own power. And that's all I'm suggesting here. And I believe you're going to have a lot less reluctance to lead when you focus on these three things. Don't compromise on the who's. Hold the bar high. If, if you're finding certain individuals that you're tolerating and they're draining you, it's probably because they might not be the right fit for what you're trying to do. They might not be what the business needs. And then are you delegating for outcomes instead of tasks? Are you looking for somebody to help you? Or are you looking to delegate like responsibility to somebody? 
And then three, are you continually maintaining the perspective that people are powerful, all people are powerful, powerful, because when you come from that place of all people are powerful, it will change the way you lead forever. You will be much less reluctant to lead. You'll still be humble and feel the like, this is a responsibility I have to be the leader and the captain of the ship, right? You know, a captain goes down with the ship and there is a healthy pressure. Like not all stress is bad. This is a healthy stress. It's, it's what calls out your best, the best within you. But we don't, we cross a boundary when we start seeing people as, as fragile and we need to take care of them. That is not your role. People are powerful. We're all adults. And when we start treating each other as that, I think it'll change. I think it has the power to change uh, a lot of things that are happening in the world. And so, yeah, I hope that serves you. I hope that by, by the end of this episode, you're finding yourself a little less reluctant and ready to lean into reclaiming the truth of who you are. And that is a powerful leader. You have a lot of evidence. I'm willing to bet if we were sitting across from other right now, and I asked you, you would be able to point to a lot of evidence that says that, yes, you are a leader. So that's a wrap. Thanks for listening. And we'll see you in the next episode.